Welcome, guys, to the podcast. I'm Duke Lamastra. Joining me for this episode is a good friend of mine, Caleb Hires. Caleb's been on the podcast in the past. He's the senior leader at a church called The Resting Place in Tampa, Florida. He's written multiple books. He's got a brand new podcast that he's doing right now, Caleb Hires Podcast. And uh, I really encourage you to subscribe to his YouTube channel. He has awesome long-form conversations with leaders in the body of Christ. Also, I encourage you to check out his books because they will bless you. Caleb came on the podcast today to discuss his new book, Pull, Don't Push, which we did for about 30 seconds as we were running out of time at the end of the episode because we went down some deep rabbit holes. <laughs> we spent a lot of time talking about artificial intelligence. We talked, we got into some eschatology, talked about the rapture, talked about Nephilim and the age of the earth, and we went down some rabbit holes. But I really do encourage you to check out the book. It's a very, very uh, short, simple read. It's a book on leadership uh, designed to help you become a more effective leader as you focus on leading by serving others and pulling people with you as opposed to pushing them to work for you. So I appreciate Caleb for all the work that he does to mature the saints in love and uh, for just everything that he shares, the wisdom he shares in this episode. It's it's important to, to note we were having a lot of fun here and it was a very raw and just unscripted and unexpected conversation, but we did talk about a lot of spiritual implications and theological implications and really what the role of the church or what our response could be or should be, or maybe we could consider that it could be uh, something, a, a, our response to this cultural age that we're living in, this technological revolution with all the advancements in artificial intelligence, what this means for us and uh, how we can use these tools to, to advance and to not just advance our own lives, but to advance the kingdom. And so really, very, really good conversation. Thank you guys so much for joining us and uh, bless you as you listen. Caleb, buddy, good to see you, man. How are you? Great to see you. Doing well. It's been almost a year, apparently, since we talked, which that flew by. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> crazy, bro. I can't believe how fast we've had a year now since we've moved to Sugarland, Texas, just kind of south of Houston. And this year just flew by, man. But mm -hmm. but yeah, we're here and I'm loving it. I'm, I'm loving Texas, bro. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite part? I really like there's a lot of stuff that I like about it. Uh, the one thing I don't like is the is the heat. But mm. we had that in Alabama. Yeah. And you have that in Tampa. It's oh, just yeah. it's just the thing. It's what it is. But I love that there's so compared to where I lived before <clears throat> in Alabama, which like we were very happy in Mobile, Alabama. No, nothing negative to say about it. But there's definitely just there's more to do here. Uh, the food here is awesome. We did quite a bit of exploring for the first maybe six months that we were here just with the kids and just going and checking stuff sure. out and trying to find stuff out that's nearby within like an hour, hour and a half and that kind of thing. So we've just, yeah, man, there's there's stuff to do. There's stuff like if we need to do something to keep the kids occupied and that sort of thing, we find there's a lot more going on. And I yeah. like the proximity to a large city. I've always been drawn to that just that that city vibe and we don't go into houston like a ton because it's just a whole thing but i like the fact busy that it's right 
<laughs> you just like that it's there, but it's busy. pretty busy. Yeah. Very busy. Yeah. Very yeah. busy. That's like but. downtown Tampa. We all Tampa people viciously try to avoid downtown Tampa. Maybe not all of us, yeah. but we just, it's just crazy. But How anyway. far are you from like the city city? Oh, 12 minutes. Oh, wow. Maybe 15. Uh, oh, unless right there's, there. unless there's traffic, then it's, it'll can be 45, but yeah. yeah, 20 minutes at most, you know, but I'm, just outside of that. I, I work, I have an office in Ebor, which is the original downtown Tampa. So, okay. but it's like the historic district. And so that's like 15 minutes, but then downtown it's literally like two, you know, three minutes over. So yeah. Anyway. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, I saw the other day that, or maybe it was even yesterday. I don't know, but I saw you post something where your your team tried to ah. trick you that you got that they got raptured got, and you got left. <laughs> I got left behind. Yeah, we've come to the point in our staff that they now they have begun to prank me. It took five and a half years. Never have I been pranked before on our church staff until this week. But well, it was there's a video forthcoming. Uh, it's not out yet, but there were three three different phones taking video of the event. But they, oh, that's funny. they did it big, man. I, the funny thing is I didn't even notice if you're, if you, you know, you're listening to this or try to describe, but there's, you know, the whole, they put their clothes out on the chairs. They put the shoes on the ground. It looked like they got mm -hmm. like left behind movie, like exactly mm -hmm. like that. But I actually, and I walked into the, the room where we have staff meeting and I didn't actually even see the clothes at first because in the next room, there's a door that can, um, that, you know, you can go between two rooms, an internal door. They had that door cracked and our youth pastor was in the other room blowing a real shofar. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So I walk in and I hear the sound of a trumpet and my mind doesn't even go where, you know, the joke's supposed yeah. to take you. I didn't even yeah. see the clothes. I just thought, who is really, who's learning a shofar right now? Like it's, it was pretty mm. like, it was a little feeble, but still there. It had the power. Yeah. She could tell she was trying not to laugh while doing it. So um, gotcha. <laughs> anyway, I was like, who is trying to learn the show far right now? Where is that coming from? And I realized the door's cracked. I just kind of like pushed the door open and they're all standing there with their phones cracking up, <laughs> dying, laughing. And I'm just like, and I just closed the door uh, <laughs> in their face and then turn around and like, there's all the clothes on the table and, and the chairs. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. So. <laughs> Had to take a photo, um, but I got left behind. Meanwhile, they, in the realm of the spirit, she's like blowing the shofar, trying not to laugh, doing right. some kind of like very specific battle cry that's got the angels all riled up now. Yeah, yeah, they're very confused. They're like, Wah! but no, I let's go. Oh, wait. they they laughed a lot harder than I did, but I laughed at them laughing, and because I was like, we got a very short time for this staff meeting, y'all. Like, we got to jump into this. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those days where I was pressed. Like I have a meeting right after this. Like I cannot. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all right, that was hilarious. Jesus help us have a meeting now. Come on. But anyway, that's so funny. funny. Had to post about that's it. That's awesome, dude. Worthy of an Instagram post for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I've mm -hmm. always thought about doing that to people and I never, I never did it. Well, so here's the backstory. Um, and this is something that, uh, we can talk about the merit of this, but, um, you know, I lead a church called The Resting Place. Uh, just this year, we started this year in at a silent retreat. So the practice of silence is something that 
Um, mm. You know, probably is a shock to some people to hear that I actually regularly am silent. Uh, but I go, <laughs> we go on these 48 hour silent retreats, done it over and over again. I probably, I've been on probably 20 of them now over the last few mm. years. And uh, we helped actually launch an organization and uh, where I'm an overseer for it. It's called Kala. Actually, they do it all over the world. If you want to check it out, Kala Culture, not the world yet, the United States, KalaCulture.org. Mm. Uh, and they, anybody can come. And it's an all expenses paid type thing where you just, you sit down and you, they, you know, you don't have to worry about anything. You just have silence. You put in all way tech, all technology, you turn in your phone, things like that. And then you just sit with the Lord. So it's really powerful. It's like a monastic wow. fast, you know, and just a mm -hmm. noise fast. And uh, so this year we did it as a team, as a staff, uh, really as leaders of the resting place, some paid, non-paid, all that um, key leaders of our church. So we started the year in silence and it was really powerful That's and really cool. beautiful. But there, I wouldn't lie to you, or, uh, there are times where you just kind of get bored a little bit because you're so you're used mm -hmm. to a certain pace of living. And then when you slow sure. it down so much, it's like there is so much time in the sure. day. You know, people are like, I don't have enough time in the day. No, <laughs> you have tons of time. It's just spending your time inefficiently, you know. So, I mean, we we are, um, you know, in silence. I'm, I'm kind of having one of those moments of kind of boredom, not boredom, but like, you know, feeling like I need to do something. And somebody left like a lawn chair right outside the main house. And I just had this idea. I didn't do it. I wish I would have done it. But I told them afterwards. I told the staff this after mm -hmm. we were out of silence. I was like, I had this idea and it was brilliant because we're silent and people can't react to it vocally. But I was going to get like an extra pair of clothes, something I wear all the time, like my shoes and like put them on the sidewalk like I got raptured and hide in the bushes and just sit there and watch people who can't say anything like react to it and i didn't do it but i told him i should do it and then you know a week later of course they planned this whole thing brought in a shofar and you know yeah that so it's my own fault but it was hilarious so. that probably doesn't even uh well i don't know does it even go along with your theology not in <laughs> the slightest like... not in the slightest it doesn't go along with my theology at all but no. still it's hilarious the even rapture. if it, even if there was a, a rapture, which obviously rapture is not even a, a biblical term, but it's like, not. like if if there was a, a rapture, it's just funny that we that we assume that we'll just be taken naked, right? And all of our clothes left behind. But right. I mean, may, I, I don't know. <laughs> that was one of the comments. One of the comments from one of our church uh, members was like, um, "The cue, the clue is there's no underwear." If you really were committed, you would have left your underwear. Yeah. And like, yeah. there's no underwear on the chairs. It was just, yeah. you know, shirts and pants and stuff to like see. But they'd be inside the pants, right? I guess. Just, I don't know. They wouldn't I mean, fly out. Depends on how yeah. visceral the rapture event is. Like, how <laughs> if it's like, are you getting <laughs> jerked out of your clothing? Like, what's happening? Yeah. Why are we up in the air, caught in the air oh, naked yeah. with the Lord? You know, anyway. No, I don't yeah. um, agree. It's a with seamless that. transition from the clothes to the robe. Yeah. No, no, exactly. nobody sees you naked. There it but is. It just happens so fast. See, yeah. You while, get whiplash so fast. while we're being extra biblical, we might as well make that make sense, right? We so. might as well. <laughs> <laughs> the rapture is extremely extra biblical. Yeah, anyway. for sure. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah, it was Love funny. it, man. It was funny. That's for great. Sure.
Well, dude, you've been so busy. I, I feel like this year I, I didn't realize I was a little bit behind, I think. So you wrote, you've written three, you wrote three books or put out three books last year, right? Did I? I don't know. I think so, because uh, I wasn't aware of one called The God of Generations. Oh, yeah, I did write three. <laughs> that, <laughs> one's an, that one's an ebook. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't put gotcha. that one to print, mm -hmm. but it's an ebook and it's a it's short read. Just uh, affirming that God is not a microwave oven God. He's not, you know, he's a multi-generational God. And it was inspired by a, a mentor of mine, uh, Joseph Matera, who's become a dear friend. I uh, really appreciate his writings and his teachings. And um, mm -hmm. anyway, uh, just that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we don't give enough credit to the timeline of God. We want everything done in our lifetime, even prophetic words over our lives. Like sometimes I think that God is speaking over our family lines, not necessarily just over us. And because that's how God is, that's how God sees things. He seems to be very patient, right? Mm -hmm. Like he speaks to David about things that, you know, his son, son, son are going to do. And, the, and then he looks forward and backwards and there's all these different examples. So that little ebook is just a, an admonition to the church to say, hey, listen, God is working in your generational line. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he might be wanting to start something in you and finish it in your grandchildren. And you mm -hmm. should be okay with the glory of God going forth in a timeline that doesn't involve you getting the credit. So that, wow. that, that's the idea wow. behind that one. I forgot I wrote that one. Um, that's very cool. Yeah. That's yeah, very so cool. simple, short. Yep. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a concept that my, I feel like that's something my wife talks about a lot. So I'm going to have to recommend this book to her. And I don't think that's a subject. I mean, as far as I'm aware, that's a subject sure. that I think there's a ton of material written about, which is hard to come across these days because there's so many books. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Yeah. But, but I was really cool. inspired by actually, this is the, the book from Joseph Matera. It's on my desk right now. Walking mm -hmm. and walking generational blessings. A lot of people talk about generational curses. What about generational blessings? Yeah. Come so on. he's talking about leaving a legacy of transformation through your family. So he wrote like a textbook on it. You know, I wrote an ebook. So it's, yeah. it's, I recommend both of those. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a short little thing. I did that at the beginning. Well, middle to the year sometime. Yep. <clears throat> Love it. And then the other, I don't know um, if you want to stay on that or jump into the other two, but well, do you think it was irresponsible that we just said that the rapture is not biblical and then left it? <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Maybe. Like, did we just, was that an irresponsible pastoral thing to just leave it like that? Or do you, you know, think, uh, Pastor Duke, you're probably right. You're probably <laughs> right. Maybe we should circle back to that. It's, uh, what's his name? The guy who, gosh, of course I'm blanking now, but it is a novel and new construct in the span right. of the of the history of the church uh there's no uh writings of it in the early church fathers or anything like that the interpretation mm -hmm. of uh is it first thessalonians um i don't remember what chapter but that yeah, we will four be five, one of four those. i think it is yeah. yeah caught up in the air with the lord uh and this whole idea change of change in the moment twinkling of an eye that's twinkling of in the eye yeah um but it also says right before that i believe that the sky will be rolled up like a blanket like literally mm -hmm. a blanket. And so mm -hmm. it. I think we need to be careful when approaching uh, allegorical language, metaphorical language, and specific, uh, obvious, uh, exacting language in the scriptures. We need to know right. the difference. And so that, um, who's the guy? He put out um, a study Bible. Oh, 
man, what's his name? The guy who pioneered the rapture Is ideology. Schofield? Or, yes. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the Schofield Bible was one of the first like study Bibles that mm -hmm. came out with a heavy amount of commentary and notes in the in the margins and in the footnotes, things like that. He kind of pioneered that. And it had a heavy not in the trans, not the translation was fine, but with the in the in the footnotes had a heavy leaning towards that, right. and they basically handed those out to like seminary graduates like hotcakes, and so a lot of a lot of people who went to seminary and had a Schofield Bible is just you know the, it got in there and seeped in there, but it's really not. I do my opinion. This is Caleb's opinion is that it does not have biblical legs to stand on. Mm -hmm. I can't find them. Uh, and I think it's actually a dangerous mentality because it goes right against the posture of Jesus in his parables and his kingdom presentation. Like the kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? Right. And he said, yeah. tell parables like occupy until I return. Right. The going away and the coming back. I believe in the bodily return of Jesus. I just don't believe in the rapture get me off of earth and into heaven mindset, right? right? He said, pray this way, that kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The rapture mindset when applied usually becomes, get me out of earth and into get heaven. Me out. Get me yeah. out of here because it's all, you know, get me out of my things. clothes and everything. I don't even I don't want none of it. <laughs> right. Get me out of all these temporal things. And the, you know, it's, I think there's an, uh, an escapist uh, mm -hmm. application that is very common. So you, you know, we're to judge things by the fruit, right? So I can't find yeah. uh, biblical legs for it to stand on. And I judge the fruit as people uh, leaving a vacuum in culture. Uh, and this is what happened over the last 100, 150 years. We've left a vacuum in culture. We left a vacuum in politics. We left a vacuum everywhere. Not that um, Christians have to be in charge of everything, but I'm saying that influence has been lost by and large uh, where the church had some culturally before and now it's lost. Mm. Not that we necessarily have to have like a Christian president or I'm not that guy either who swings to the other extreme, like some of the seven mountains ideologies of sure. like, we have to have, you know, 90% of Congress has to be Christian. Like, uh, I think God can use pretty much anyone. Um, but, mm. you know, and governments are governments. They're never going to be the church. The church has a role to influence nations, to disciple nations. And I think there's been an abdication of the role and the escapist mm. impact from the rapture theology that has come from yeah. all of that. So yeah. that's why I'm yeah. not in agreement with it. And again, I want to be biblical in my Christianity and I can't defend it biblically. So sure. <laughs> it messes with me. What are your thoughts? I mean, just to be responsible that's here. Very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's very good. One, one of the things that always kind of bothered me, even before I spent a, a significant amount of time digging into eschatology was like, why why would god because considering the even even the timeline even if we were to accept all the other stuff that's kind of in that sure. tribulation rapture sort of ideology and that sort of thing it's like why would god pull his people out at the most crucial time in human history right when all throughout history every single thing that he's ever done on the earth has been in partnership with people that he's working through to accomplish his purposes right and to like pull the the church out in that moment of time i was like well what not that god can't just do what he wants but i was like it just doesn't seem to make sense and so as i started really like reading revelation i was like no like this is the unfolding the unveiling of jesus this is not 
you know, what we've That's you know, right. kind of looked at Revelation to be in the past of this like creepy, scary end time battle, like something to be afraid of and that sort of thing. And so yeah. let's really just upset the apple cart, Duke. Why not? It's your podcast, <laughs> not mine. So let's get in lots of trouble. Sound good? Yeah, let's get in trouble. I'm, <laughs> I'm cool just with kidding. It. You know, I, I totally agree with you. And it's, it's, I, again, I think it's dangerous because it does go against the timeline. Like you said so eloquently, the way God has always worked is through people in times of crisis. Why would he remove his people in the most, the highest moment of crisis? Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like his nature. Uh, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, not that he can't do right. new things, which, you know, that's scriptural. But, you know, some people apply Matthew 24, which I think is actually the worst. I don't think a lot of scholars apply Matthew 24 to the rapture. But some, but a lot of pastors do, you know, when it says one will be working in the field and the other will be left, only yeah. grinding at the meal. That movie that you all watch definitely applied Matthew 24, right? Yeah. But that's, I don't think, I don't think true scholars do that, to be fair to the academic world. But regular, you know, pastors, I've heard them do it. Have you heard, have you heard this mm -hmm. be applied? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Okay. Many, many, many times. Many times. Okay. What's interesting about that passage in Matthew 24 is the beginning of it says it, it will be as in the days of Noah, just mm -hmm. like in the days of Noah. Uh -huh. Okay. So I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but this is going to upset some people. It says it will be as in the days of Noah. One will be taken and one will be left behind. One will mm -hmm. be taken away and one will mm -hmm. be left behind on the earth. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in the days of Noah, who... At the end of the day, was left behind on the earth. The sinners. <laughs> no, at the end of the day, it was Noah. Noah was left on the earth. Noah and his family <laughs> remained on the earth. Are you? I thought you were talking about the people. I, I was. I, I my know. mind was in a different place. I thought you were talking about the people that were no. left out of the ark. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because those people were taken away in the flood. Yeah. They were removed from the earth. God saw that the, the nature of and heart of man was deceitful and completely irredeemable, right? And like, mm -hmm. he took them away. They were gone. Noah was left behind. Mm -hmm. And I know it's like, it's, it's, it's the like, opposite. It, my, your brain is working yeah. for the other argument because it's been presented that way. But the truth is, when Noah and his family went into the ark. They stayed on the earth the entire time. Someone else was taken away. Mm -hmm. into judgment some some translations like even the amplified say in matthew 24 one will be taken away into judgment and the other left and so who was judged Crazy. on the earth in the days of noah was it noah or was it the rest of them so yeah. if brian simmons says it this way and i'm going to repeat him if that's talking about the rapture or whatever it is i want to be left behind because that means I'm still breathing. I'm not drowning in the waters of judgment. So yes. anyway, lots of, lots of, I'm saying, I'm not defending that as a theological position. I'm saying it doesn't make any sense to apply mm -hmm. that to the end times of the rapture. It breaks down in very different, many different ways. That's just mm -hmm. one of them. So not to mention, I think the flood was actually uh, because of the sin of the watchers and the Nephilim and the half breed of humans and angels, if you want to get into that. Oof. but. Anyway, <laughs> how upset do we want to make everyone today? Sorry, I'm feeling spicy. That might be, yeah, that might be one of the, one of the, 
most intense conversations we could have. Have you read Michael um, Heiser's stuff on that? I, man, I, some, not, not, a, not a lot. Yeah. yeah. He, he wrote a whole book called reversing Herman. I read it over the Christmas break. Whoa. Oh, did wanna, you, you want to turn your brain into soup? Read that. Him yeah, talk, dude. Talking about the Enochian template that was culturally, uh, just paramount to the new Testament mm -hmm. writers and not saying Enoch should be canonized or anything like that, but just saying that the Enochian template, the understanding of the sin of the watchers, all this stuff, how Jesus was reversing the sin of the watchers through so many different things and how it happened on Mount Hermon, according to Enoch and all this crazy stuff. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, the he makes he's basically compiling a bunch of scholarly work that's not talked about. Uh, it's a whole it's a whole thing about, uh, yeah, the sin of the watchers, the Nephilim, every culture in, on the earth has two main things in them. Every single ancient culture, a flood. Mm -hmm. And some hybrid between deity and man, mm -hmm. some and like an angel or like Hercules, a demigod, right? And like the Anunnaki yeah. and Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, and like all yeah. these different. So it's kind of hard to ignore as a as a student of history um, that it was a prevailing cultural understanding. Uh, and Genesis six one through four does say that angels left their proper abode found the women right. of the earth to be comely and um, yeah. had offspring with them. So that is right. biblical. People don't want to talk yeah. about it. It's the Nephilim or however you say it. And, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah. anyway, I think the flood was to get rid of the children of the watchers because they were trying to mm. in, infiltrate the seed of the woman because they knew, the enemy knew that the, yeah. the seed of the woman would strike, you know, the head of the serpent and they're like well we're just going to disrupt the seed trying to get ahead of it yeah so anyway dude yeah. easy <laughs> conversations today Easy conversations. where i thought this was going to go but it's it's super it, like because there's been all this lately there's been a lot of alien talk and there's been a oh, lot yeah. of different things like that going on and you know when you when you look at certain things uh like i've been listening to some arguments lately about certain things like the age of the pyramids and different uh -huh. things like that. And we have this concept, this concept in our minds of the, the, the timeline of when everything was built and, and everything else. But it's like, that's one of those things. It's like, how did they build those pyramids? Yeah. How did that happen? How did regular humans build those pyramids? It doesn't seem humanly possible. It's great. Like we couldn't even do it today. Right. With all the technology we have and everything like something extreme was going on at the time when all of that took place that you know these these uh i mean we're talking about stones on on those pyramids that weigh like tons like yes 50 tons you know Ridiculous. and more we and, wouldn't be able to move them like you said with modern equipment yeah yeah and the, and they're perfectly you... put together. They're perfectly positioned with like constellations and like all this kind of stuff. The understanding the, of. Yeah. The polarization Ugh. of the earth, north, south, east, west, mm -hmm. all the stuff. And yeah, the, the constellations. Have you read any of Enoch? Have you read that? I've I read Enoch like a long time ago. Yeah. Like it's trippy. when I was in Bible college. Yeah. It's very trippy. Um, but one thing he says in there that make some of that make sense and again this is not doctrine this is just a fun conversation right. with friends right yeah we're um, just having fun just talking um <laughs> the 
<laughs> caveat upon caveat <laughs> here. Um, the one of the things that the watchers did, according to Enoch, was not only just impregnate women of the earth and have offspring, the giants, you know, that's where the giants came from. Um, the and then there's combination conversation there of the localized flood. How did the giants survive? Was was that a one-time event or did they do it again? All the you know, that stuff. But one thing that's interesting when I read it in Enoch, it says that they gave the human race forbidden knowledge. They taught mm. them the cutting of herbs, advanced mathematics. They taught them um then even makeup, like the it's actually in Enoch talking about like how to deceive men, right? And yes, yeah. Some women truly are deceiving the the men in their life with the amount of makeup. That's not your face. Like we want your face, right? right? You're beautiful. Right. Use your face, please. All right. I'm thankful. Yeah. I'm not saying don't modern wear makeup. Day with modern yeah. day with filters. It's a it's whole crazy. Level. Yeah. Oh yeah, with AI, all that stuff. So tap, mm -hmm. definitely, definitely another level. But they mm -hmm. taught it. Even it talks about how to kill a child in the womb. It talks about that thing those type of things in enoch and it says mm. and then astrology the study of the stars all this stuff but the forbidden knowledge of mathematics and science for me i'm like well that would make the pyramids make sense if yeah. there's forbidden knowledge advanced mathematics and things like that and there's these giant human beings on the planet back in that day or whatever that built this stuff and the egyptians just found them yeah and built a civilization around the pyramids. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, using my logical brain, it makes sense. I can't, you know, there's no way to truly know. I don't, I don't think we haven't made a discovery archeologically speaking to know, mm -hmm. uh, but it would make sense. It would make sense. Yeah. So do you have any personal thoughts on things like the age of the earth and that sort of thing? Like what are, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on, on that do you do you think that there it's uh, the the young earth holds up which is traditionally the the traditional christian view i think is that the earth's about six thousand years old right um and then <clears> there's <throat> the old earth which i mean according to evolutionists it's somewhere between like 13 and 24 billion years old <laughs> yeah so i big, yeah uh, big difference yeah, there huge huge right so so let me let me we're using caveats today. So the, yeah, I believe no, we're just science. having fun. This is not, yeah, this is not, you know, <laughs> no, great. I love this stuff. I think science and God are actually, um, they're not opposed. I believe Absolutely. science is actually discovering God, uh, just a little 100%. slower than faith can. That's the way I look at it. Um, <laughs> but they'll get there eventually. Um, but the, I have, I can say that I'm not researched enough to make an intelligent comment on which one I think is for sure correct. I mm -hmm. find holes in both of the arguments, and I have a lot of questions about the veracity of um, how we get to our timelines, right? Because uh, one day is a thousand years to the Lord. And so right. even Genesis, right? Mm -hmm. Like he made the, that it's made in seven days. Are those seven literal days or Right. are those each a thousand years and they're right there if it's seven then the earth is seven thousand years old by the time adam gets here so right you know so i don't i don't know i don't think there's enough the way the information was passed down orally the way it was put into story form the way that we you know we're looking through the lens of greek philosophy into the ancient texts of hebrew and aramaic and they didn't think like we think and so Correct. we're yeah. we're trying to apply lenses they didn't have. And so I don't think we 
I don't think that's fair um, to mm. make an, an estimate there. And honestly, I don't care if it's old or young. Right. You know what I mean? I I have other, I just feel like, I'm not saying it's an unworthy conversation. I'm just saying, mm -hmm. I don't, I haven't put a lot of energy into like finding a deep conviction about either one of those. Um, I know people in the apologetics world really care about that. It's a hotly debated thing. Um, but, you know, I'll let them do what they do. Because yeah. for me, I'm yeah. not sure that we are even asking the right questions or looking at it the right way. I don't know. Mm -hmm. that's, yeah. that's my best answer yeah. with that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, yeah, because I, I think that it's talking about this kind of stuff when you when you try to approach God from like a purely just rational, logical kind of a mindset, then I think you 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 end up conclude a lot. A lot of people end up concluding that, well, science doesn't support this. Science sure. doesn't support God. Science doesn't support the claims of the Bible. And it's like, well, a lot of it is, I think, our interpretation. I mean, we don't know from in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then and the earth was without form and void, like from like verse one to verse two to verse three. Like we we don't know how much time is passing. Right. Like the spirit of God moving, hovering over the face of the waters and all of that. Like we don't know. It could be it. I mean, it could be millions of years. Yes. It could be a moment. It could like, I mean, we just don't know. So it's, it's like you said, it's possible that the earth could be like extremely ancient, but yep. it's also possible because like, you know, I don't know when dinosaurs were around and I don't know about all this, like all, all those kind of things. Yeah. And, and I just, I think that there's a, there's a way that we can approach God and we can approach these kinds of theological questions that we can, we can mess ourselves up <clears throat> to the mm -hmm. point that we try to like reason God out of the, the discussion and just say, Oh, well that must not be true. Like what they taught me must not be true because these scientific conclusions don't support it. And so everything right. that they said wasn't true or everything that I learned in children's church or Sunday school or Bible college or whatever, like, like it's not true because this isn't true. So I do think we need to be careful and we need to focus like, you know what I mean? I think it's healthy to focus the majority of our time and attention rather than, other than just, you know, we're having fun with this, but the sure. majority of our time and focus and attention on the things that like, let's say scripture focuses on. Yes. Because if it's not, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, if it was really the most important thing or one of the most important things for us to consider, then there'd be more time devoted to it in the word of God, I think. I agree. I agree. Right. And I think that, yeah, again, it's a worthwhile discussion. I'm, I'm hoping nobody listening is like, oh, I really care about that. And they're saying it's stupid. <laughs> it's not stupid. It it matters. No, it's, it's good. It's yeah. just for my, I just personally don't have a strong conviction yeah. either way. But I can um, just to, you brought it up about Genesis 1 and how much time was between those first three verses. That That question alone, you actually have to filter through Genesis 1 because I just looked it up. Genesis 1, verse 14 is when it says, let the lights be in the expanse of the heavens separate day from night and let them be for signs yeah. and for seasons, for days and years. And yeah, that's like day four, day. right? Yeah. So here's the question. Yeah. Is it even appropriate <clears throat> to say how much time passed before time was measured? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. right. Because it says right. the day, the Sun and the moon are for days and see. So are we really 
are we saying we should time wasn't didn't exist till day four till day four yeah what is a day without time yeah so that'll turn Man. your brain to soup just saying <laughs> yeah i don't I, I don't think we can know is what i'm saying like i don't think i don't you, think we can know that's why i'm like these are the wrong questions like time didn't time is a measuring stick that god created on day four yeah so days one through three didn't have the same measurement as days four on to 2000 years later or whatever. It's good. I mean, 60,000, 40 billion thousand. I don't know. So anyway, just thought I'd throw that out there. That's good. It doesn't make sense to me to measure time when time wasn't, didn't exist yet. So, right. Okay. I love it. I just want to, I, I'm just trying to be responsible yeah. And fill all of our little uh our little rabbit holes that we're opening. I like love just it. making sure that they're looping back and connecting at the end. You're but great at that. Let... You're a genius. <laughs> Cause I'll just so, throw it out there and move on. Just I'll move just on, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Brain so awesome. pain for the rest of the day. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Um, you did say something earlier that that got me thinking. So you you mentioned earlier, and you kind of mentioned it in passing as you were going to your point, but you you made reference to the fact that the 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 church hasn't always done the best job of being uh, as involved in just you know cultural moments and cultural movements and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. And one of the big things that's going on right now, and you and I mentioned this briefly before we started recording, one of the big shifts right now, just technolo technologically speaking, in our world today, is this move toward artificial intelligence yep and how it is very very much very quickly and in very i maybe unprecedented ways uh disrupting the the age that we live in the technological age that we live in and i'm just curious because i know this is something that you've been talking about a lot lately something i talk about uh I, on the podcast quite a bit especially over the past you know six months or so i've had multiple you know, just me ranting and then conversations and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Something I'm super interested in. And uh, I know you guys have some uh, pretty cool stuff going on uh, yeah. even uh, in your in your church with uh, some AI, just some things that you guys yep. are doing. So just uh, I'd like to kind of shift a little bit into that conversation and kind of yeah. get your maybe general thoughts on this uh, AI uh, sure. revolution, this moment that we're living in as a culture and just some of the things that you think about it. Yeah, well, let's get it straight right at the beginning. Artificial intelligence is the Antichrist. So <laughs> it's a disembodied Nephilim. Right? Absolutely. The, yeah. <laughs> I've heard those arguments, man. We actually are... I heard a conversation. I heard I heard that somebody they posted this thing and I watched the video and they said that it was like a Christian and they said that they were having a conversation with an artificial intel, you know, with an AI. And they asked that question, are you a disembodied Nephilim? Yeah. And the AI responded, yes. And then they they proceeded to ask more questions. And eventually the AI responded and basically said, my father is Satan. And sure. like went through this whole thing. And I was like, well, stuff like that's really creeping people out. And I wonder if like, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I wonder what, what that all is like what the mechanism is that's doing that but i mean that ai was you know obviously programmed by somebody and maybe it's just yes. having fun i don't know but there's like you know been some some interesting things like that that have gone on that i think freaks people out a little bit oh for sure for sure uh let me just be responsible i do not believe ai is the antichrist just saying yes um i don't believe <laughs> I that. that if you didn't catch my sarcasm earlier 
someone's going to clip that and be like, see, this guy's crazy. No, I've been told that because I use ChatGPT, I'm talking to demons. Uh, I was told that online. You've been told that? Yeah, someone mm -hmm. said you're talking to demons, um, you know, things like that. But the the truth of the matter is I think we don't understand it. It's a new technology. It is absolutely disruptive. Some have said it will be as disruptive as the light bulb. Um, it is absolutely just as disruptive yeah. as the Internet for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. And there is an AI arms race on right now in every major corporation of the world. And so Goldman Sachs came out with this crazy number. I think it was 300 million jobs worldwide will be either greatly disrupted or uh, reformatted because of AI mm. in like the next three years. So that's, that is a wild number. Um, yeah. So anyway, the, <clears throat> the reality is it is here. AI is affecting your life right now, my life right now, the way that they are uh, interpreting data all of your data, the marketing research for Amazon, companies like that, it's all being run through mm -hmm. AI models, things like that. But the reality is, and I have spoken to actual experts because uh, like you mentioned, I'm, I'm bringing a, a panel of experts to Tampa on February 10th to do a conference called Built for AI. Uh, we're hosting it at our church because I do believe the church should be pioneering in new technology mm. and not consistently afraid of new technology. Right. So I compare it to the calculator. Okay. It's obviously way more disruptive than the calculator, but uh, many people, uh, I remember being in high school and the, the calculator went from like this huge block thing to like a handheld thing. And they were like saying, we're not going to be able to do math. You know, you, if you use that thing, you're not going to mm. be able to do math. I'm like, are we supposed mm -hmm. to go back to like the little bean counter thing? What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, but they're like, we're not gonna be able to do, to do math. No one's going to know how to do math anymore. I'm like, well, what has happened? Uh, it's easier to learn mm. math. You can learn math faster. It's easier to check math. It's easier to teach more complicated math because the rudimentary stuff mm -hmm. is done by a machine, right? Mm -hmm. That you can trust. And it's hardwired in to have certain protocols and systems. And we've advanced mathematics, not lessened it by and large. So people looking at AI as like, it's um, some people are saying, I put it on Facebook yesterday, is AI going to take jobs or create jobs? And most people said take. A lot of people said both. I have the feeling that it's going to disrupt every single industry, but it's going to unleash the artist and the entrepreneur. It's going to lower the barrier of entry, just like someone who couldn't do high level calculus in their head. Now they can do it because they have a calculator and they're able to mm -hmm. enter that barrier of entry is lowered because of the technology. And yes, mm -hmm. I, people are going to, you know, like when the tractor was invented, people lost people who made hand plows lost their job, right? Right. And right. those who didn't learn the tractor got left behind in in their mm -hmm. industry in farming. Absolutely. So why should we be back to the rapture left behind, you know, in, <laughs> in the techno technological advancement of AI? But the and I know I'm talking long here, but the AI itself needs to be better understood. And as I said, I've talked to experts. Uh, one friend of mine now, his name's Elijah Lowe. He's been in the industry for a long time. He's a Christian um, uh, scientist, technologist, uh, consultant guy. Uh, and he wrote a book, um, about it. I don't remember the title, but Elijah Lowe, you can just Amazon that Elijah mm -hmm. Lowe AI. It's really great. It gets settles a lot of, um, primary questions that people have. Like you said, like, is it sentient? That's the main question that's mm. being put out there. Like, is it, does it have a mind of its own? Like that example, you just said, like, are you the disembodied? 
you know, Nephilim, things like that. The reality is every single artificial intelligence is still artificial, meaning that it has to be trained. So like right. chat GPT is the easiest example. Um, it's a large language model and it has to be trained and it takes thousands and thousands of computing hours and lots of money and all that stuff to train a model on mm -hmm. information, a subset of information. And ChatGPT, uh, Gemini from Google, things like that, they are being trained on what's on the internet. So even without parameters, if it just has a loose training of the internet, because someone has said technology advancements will result in communicating with disembodied Nephilim on the internet, the model machine knows that that's an opinion and it could mm -hmm. just simply be answering according to these articles, these blog posts that it's trained on, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's literally only as good as its inputs and it's only as good as its prompts. Right. And so I am, I confess, I used chat GPT today. Okay. I did a <gasps> podcast earlier. I know consulting with demons again. I did a podcast <laughs> earlier and um, I did a, a long form podcast and it was two hours long and my the software I use allows me to download the transcript. So what I did is I went to ChatGPT and I uploaded the transcript transcript into ChatGPT. I said, read this and write a summary description that I can use for my YouTube video. And it read it, it summarized what we talked about and I copied and pasted. Instead of sitting there going, okay, what did we talk about? And, blah, 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 and like using my right, brain, right. It, that is a rudimentary task that I either have to hire somebody to do, or I can do mm -hmm. for free on ChatGPT. And it's that again, barrier to entry. Now my YouTube channel has an SEO, search engine optimized description, keyword dense with hashtags included, because I told it that's what I want. And it was free. And it, it yeah. read my transcript, a two hour transcript in seconds, and then wrote a summary. An exhaustive summary. It's amazing. What a wonderful tool. And yeah. I, because of that, I had time to go get lunch and eat it peacefully before I came on this podcast to record with you. So my time yeah. has been unleashed. I have more time to be a human because of the, the technology. So it's only good as it prompts. I can talk about a lot about this if you want, like narrow AI, general AI, sentience, uh, super AI. There's lots mm -hmm. of crazy stuff out there. But people, the main takeaway is people should not be afraid of it. They need to understand it first. And mm -hmm. people usually are afraid of what they don't understand just because it's new, right? It's scary. They yeah. don't know. It's confusing. Maybe you're you, you're like seeing a Terminator movie in your head, you know, but Skynet. Yeah. Skynet. Yeah, exactly. And it's it it maybe one day, I don't know, but <laughs> I can tell you, I, I spoke it, to it. I spoke to someone who doesn't want to be named. I know that sounds like a cop out, but I'm not a journalist and I don't have to report my sources, but I know a guy who his brother is an actual um, uh, research guy at what, what's the name? It's the, what's the big famous college over in the UK? The one, what's it? Oh, oh Oxford. Oxford. Yeah. So he's on the team at Oxford. They've been studying artificial intelligence and its impact on the brain for 20 years, mm. 20 years. Okay. Yeah. Looking at this. And he said, this guy who's Oxford research guy studied for 20 years says sentience we is we are nowhere close to sentience we are wow. nowhere close to having it wow. having a mind of its own we are at least 100 years out from even the possibility there is no evidence of it really yes he said it's a marketing scheme if anyone is claiming that they want your click they want your money they want to be the expert it is not true 
That is what he said. Mm. He doesn't want to be named. So I'm not going to do that. But he, he at least he didn't offer, you know, so whatever. So yeah, I do not believe in the people I've spoken to that were anywhere near to sentience. They could be wrong, but just saying like all the current artificial intelligence is called general AI. Narrow AI is like that chat bot you had like on that mm. website. That's like not a human, right? Or the uh, or the technology in, in your Tesla or the technology in your phone that acts like a human, but you can tell it's not. That's narrow AI as very narrow field of, of precision. General AI is actually in between narrow and super AI, which is what people would call sentience. So we are in the age yeah. of general AI, meaning it still has to be prompted by humans, it has to be trained, and it can be turned on or turned off. That's really mm. the truth. So yeah. There you go. If you're in Tampa, February 10th, you should register now for the Built for AI conference. Yeah, check that. Yeah, go. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate all that, all that explanation. Cause like, like I've <laughs> I actually just uh I I waited a while before I started playing around with it. Uh I just recently did my first AI, you know, just personal like interaction with some with with the with artificial intelligence technology. And and what I did was I took a I went to this website and I took a video a, a podcast episode that I did yep. it was probably an hour and a half long and I actually no I think that one was a little bit shorter but anyway I uploaded the video and then in 10 minutes yep. in 10 minutes they emailed me a link and I had 21 clips, clips. yep and every single clip already had the b-roll it had all the text Yep. And everyone had, which this is the part that in, that interested me that I thought was kind of because I get like you can, you know, clip a video and that sort of thing. But the thing that where I think the artificial intelligence comes into play is like it deciphers the the theme of this 30 second clip that they made and they create a title for yep. each one that's supposed to be like, a you know, a viral video sure. title, like something sure. that's something that can help you get more views and that sort of right, thing. Right, right, right. And so out of the 21, I think there were like three that I was like, I could use these right now without having to tweak them at all. Right. Some of them, I didn't really like the way that it ended. Like it kind of, sure. it ended on a weird word or a weird pause or something like that. And I was like, so it could be better, but still it took 10 minutes. Like for me to do one of those clips would have taken me probably 40 minutes. Yes. Yes. So it's a pretty, pretty, pretty incredible thing, you know, pretty like awesome possibilities that are out there. I've been talking a lot about <laughs> some of the negative aspects of it just because sure. it's fun. And yeah. I don't necessarily buy into all the all the hype of it, you know, becoming a Skynet situation and taking over the world. But I do think that it's first of all i have fun with it i think it's fun to talk about mm -hmm. but also i didn't i didn't understand that piece of what you just mentioned a second ago about this this guy who's you know speaking from more of an expert level opinion saying mm -hmm. that we're very very far away i'm listening to people like elon musk who say we're five years from being in on mars <laughs> you know what i'm saying who's like incredibly like optimistic he doesn't actually say five years from being on sure. mars but he says sure. like you know he 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 does say by the end of this Shouldn't decade, let the genie out of the box. We're gonna have yeah 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 yeah, yeah. an unprecedented level of of uh, artificial intelligence. You know, I I do think that 
what you what you said though about how disruptive it is. Mm-hmm. I, this is something that I was thinking about lately. We went from the the revolution of you know when the internet in the early 2000s started transitioning to social media. So like we had MySpace and then when right. Facebook came out and and it kind of became this thing that got super popular super quick. And I think by the time we got to like the 20 some somewhere in the 2010s, maybe mid 2010s, it felt like there was a shift that took place where the internet was no longer the internet it was social media is the internet like social media is the new stage of its web 2.0 or whatever sure it's the new stage of of the internet and not just of the internet but of life so it it basically i think that it started this transition started taking place where it's no longer oh how can i you know integrate these social media tools Instagram, Facebook, whatever. How can I integrate these things more into my life to make my life more fun, to make my life more meaningful, to help me grow my business? It seems to me like there's been a shifting that's taken place where it's not even integrating this into my life. It's like connecting my life more to this thing to where the younger generations today, especially it's it's like an extension of who they are in some ways like it's yes. an extension of their of their life and it's in many ways for many people it's just as real as real life mm-hmm. it's like the life that i'm creating on this platform mm-hmm. is just as important and valuable to me as the life that i'm living in the natural if not more so because i'll go and i'll do something expensive i'll go and i'll spend my whole day doing something because I want the content, I want the photo, I want right. the thing, I want that picture of me hiking. I want, you know, to get attention on this platform. Mm-hmm. And so I'm actually living my life to amplify my life that's on the yes. social, you know, network or whatever. Absolutely. And so I see that same thing. That's kind of the same thing that I that I kind of see that would eventually happen with AI. Like right now, it's still primitive in the sense of like it's very new mm-hmm. <clears throat> and i don't think we have any idea what it's going to look like 10 20 years from now nope. just because you can't you, you because you don't know you get on this this technological kind of train and you don't really know because the same thing you said about the calculator people mm-hmm. looked at the calculator and they said well this is going to be really bad because it's going to create a bunch of lazy people that don't know how to do math anymore mm-hmm. it's like no but what you don't foresee is that now that you have this tool that makes everything so much quicker and easier, you don't even know what the possibilities are going to be of how far this can take you. Because we see the next step. We don't see where that next step is going to take us. Exactly. And so we don't know where we're going to be in 10 years, in 15 years, in 20 years, in 100 years. Like we, we can't really foresee that accurately right now. We can speculate, but ultimately we don't know. But I do think that it's the kind of technology that just like this last kind of big wave that we saw that shifted everybody's perception. Uh, it could do that. I think it can do it even quicker than it did it the last time, mm-hmm. but where AI I think is quickly going to become a much bigger part of our lives than I think we, we even realize. Absolutely. And I think um, if I can sound philosophical for a second here, that the, <laughs> the main fruit of fear 
is short-sightedness. Or let me say it this way. Mm. The, the first fruit of fear is short-sightedness. Mm. When wow. you're afraid, you're not thinking about 10 minutes from now. Well, wow. You're not thinking about two minutes from now. You're thinking about right now. So when you are looking at the next step and you're not considering the potential outcomes, you are acting, most likely acting in fear. So we have to look at the, the greater fruit, the longevity fruit, the like you just said with the calculator. And I can I can speak to that because the like you said, we are in the very rudimentary phases. I've used those clip video things too. Those are brand new. The consumer facing artificial intelligence is like a baby. It's a baby mm -hmm. days old. And yet it's rapidly accelerating faster than any other technology at the very same time. So yeah. it's better um, than me. Like it's oh, better than what I can do. <laughs> dude, faster. <laughs> for all that. sure. For yeah. sure. Um, I've edited entire manuscripts mm -hmm. for, for books and things like that on, on chat GPT, things like that. Um, I'm editing now, so it might mm -hmm. replace my editor. You know, I mean, there are, it's disruptive for sure, but yeah. And again, the first fruit of fear is short sightedness. And we have to make sure that we push past that fear to say, well, what, what could happen? Not, oh no, what's bad going to happen, but what good could happen? Right. Mm. And so it's, and it's not, I think people come by the fear, honestly, like uh, Larry Page in his conversation with Elon Musk, and he straight up said, I want to create an AI God, you know, super intelligence AI God. And so Elon's like, you're crazy. That's why he helped start open AI, things like that, mm. you know, but they're all, I mean, um, <laughs> Elon is an interesting guy in general, obviously, but he's, he's a futurist, right? But he's also yes. a humanist. He's he so he was hearing Larry Page say uh, it would it would rightly govern the human race and and Elon's like no humans need to govern everything but it's still humanism mm -hmm. right it's not faith right so I'm not yeah. saying he's not brilliant he is but like come on let's not be short sighted because of fear so um, if you think about it economically right there's really only a few sectors of the economy if you put them in big buckets right you have land you have capital. Um, you have, uh, oh my gosh, now I'm forgetting one more. And then you have entrepreneurship. What is it? Land, uh, capital, something in entrepreneurship, man. <laughs> what is it? Oh, labor. The one that matters to the conversation labor. You have land, um, you know, which is space to operate. You have uh, capital, which is finances. You have labor, which is the, the workforce. And then you have entrepreneurship. Okay. So land was disrupted by the internet. You don't need a brick and mortar store to make millions of dollars today. You can literally uh, outsource all of that. You don't have to have land. You don't have to own yeah. land. Whereas before you had to have a shop, right? You had to have brick and mortar. Does that make sense? So yeah. the land now could be the internet. Like the metaverse is a whole nother disruptor of land, you know, if you put it that way. So web 3.0, all that stuff. So that's, that's one. And then in capital and capital was, First of all, in the in the West, greatly uh, disrupted by the inaction of the Federal Reserve and the depletion of the value of the currency of the dollar, which over the last mm. hundred years we lost ninety nine percent of its value, inflation, yeah. all that stuff. Fine. That's on purpose. It's on purpose. It's mm. on purpose. Anyway, oh, here's the conspiracy talk. <laughs> it's not on. It's not a conspiracy. It's it's stated publicly. Anyway, so there's that. But the greater disruptor in our day right now is crypto, cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Where people became 
multi-millionaires with things like Bitcoin and stuff like that. You can create your own currency within an economy on blockchain technology. So blockchain right. allows for these things. So, so you have labor with the or land with the internet, capital with crypto, and AI is going to disrupt labor the mm -hmm. same way that the internet corrupt uh, disrupted uh, land, not corrupted, disrupted. Mm -hmm. So yeah. AI's disruption will be in the labor. There's so many remedial tasks, labor tasks that you have to pay, you know, minimum wage on or things like that. And so a lot, a high amount of low skill labor, we already see it, go to McDonald's, go to Walmart. That's the self checkout aisle. You know, it's the self ordering things and you just have, you have less humans needed to oversee the machines. Right. And so mm -hmm. that will disrupt, but you know what it'll also do. It will also create, it'll relieve people of the remedial jobs, if if approached the right way, they can grow in skill and the whole human race can elevate because people aren't stuck in a dead-end job. The dead-end job doesn't exist anymore and now you have to have a skill to get a job mm, which is right. going to force growth, right? So it's not pretty, but it's true. But so those are the three disrupts that are being disrupted in that way. But the one thing that AI can't touch, internet can't touch, capital no capital in the world can touch is entrepreneurship entrepreneurship you cannot you can't technologically walk your way into entrepreneurship that takes creative humans and i would say that the church should be the most creative humans on the planet we should be the ones with mm. the brilliant ideas but how many times have you met a musician or an artist or a person with a dream and a vision and they're stuck at mcdonald's because they don't have the capital they don't have the land. They don't have the skills, right? They don't have the right. way to get there. There's barriers of entry. How many people want to write a book, but they don't because they can't pay for an editor. They can't pay mm -hmm. for what, what have you, right? And so what happens is it lowers the barrier of entry to entrepreneurship. And now you can literally go get a graphic for your whatever, your book, your anything for free from an AI model. You know what I mean? Or for very little pennies on the dollar, whereas you would have to hire a graphic designer. And all the graphic designers are like, ah, oh, we're going to lose our jobs. No, you're going to have to increase your entrepreneurship and increase your value as one. Maybe you, you use the tools and it takes you less time to create really great things and you market that, right? So you don't bring mm. time to the market, you bring value. And I think that the labor value is going to be greatly disrupted by AI, but the entrepreneurship is going to be unleashed the artist and the entrepreneur are going to be yeah. unleashed. You're going to, you have an expert in your pocket on every single thing. I'll tell you one story. This is uh, because when it comes to like biblical justice, you know, or like social justice or like, what about the poor? They're the ones with those jobs. Well, mm -hmm. that's, that's a very real concern for sure. But here's another side of it. All right. There's a story of a lady who um, separated from her husband because the husband was abusive towards their kids and um, their son, and he was he was physically abusing them. Uh, but the guy had a hot shot lawyer friend that he went to college with. So the husband has this top shelf lawyer to defend him in court, finds, you know, it's gonna find every loophole, gonna find, and this woman, he's not paying child support, that's why she takes him to court. She can't prove the other mm -hmm. stuff, but he's not paying child support, and he's got this hot shot lawyer. So she says, I'm, I'm not gonna trust a public defender against the hot shot, I'm gonna, defend myself. I'm going to represent myself. And she used the free version of chat GPT to build wow. her case 
um, against this guy. She wow. asked a question. She spent every night doing that. She built a case and she won. She Crazy. won against the hotshot lawyer. So you want to talk about equity? You want to talk about the wow. poor? This is lowering the bar of entry. There's entire law firms, by the way, training models right now on case law, things like that, to totally wipe out the paralegal um, sector, things like that, or at least paralegals will not do what they're doing now. They'll be mm -hmm. different. Again, it's, it is disruptive. I'm not saying it's not disruptive. I'm just saying that there is, like you said, the, the fear, the short-sightedness that comes from fear uh, can keep us from looking at the potential and just staring at the next step. And there's some real upside here, some amazing potential, but yeah. we have to have, be courageous. We have to embrace it. And if not the church, then who? If not those who have the connection to Jehovah Jireh, the source, the creator of all the universe, if we're over here afraid with the rest of the world, how are we any better than the world? How do we claim to know the creator and the person who supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory? And we're over here like, oh, no, it's going to take my job. Well, ask the Lord, is it really going to take your job? Hear the Lord and do something about it and stand up within yourself. Mm. Maybe leverage the tool to unlock your own potential that's been hidden mm. behind your desk as a secretary or behind your desk or even in great industries like nursing is going to be greatly disrupted very soon, yeah. just so everybody knows. Greatly disrupted. Mm -hmm. It will take one nurse to do the job of 10 in a very short mm -hmm. amount of time. So my mom's a nurse. That's going to affect her. It's going to change the game. But we grow and change. We pivot and we get to be more helpful. I Like today, I have more time today because of artificial intelligence. I could have real conversation with you, which is a very human thing to do because I used a, a robot to help me, right? And I knew mm -hmm. I could get away with scheduling back-to-back -back conversations. I talked to my buddy Tyler this morning. I'm talking to you right now because I have these tools where three hours of work became three minutes legit. Mm. So that's my, that's awesome. my answer there pitch. I don't even remember awesome. your question, but I do these. Rants I don't even know if I don't sorry. remember it either, but I appreciate it. That was great. Hopefully that was all <laughs> relevant. So I loved it. I love yeah. it. I, yeah. And, and I think to your point, it's, we don't know what is going to open up as we embrace and step further into AI. Obviously, it is going to affect jobs. There's certain jobs that are not going to be relevant anymore or not as relevant or not yes. needed. They're going to become obsolete. But we don't see all the new potential that's going to be opened up with new jobs that are going to be created because of it. The And, and I think that the the kind of initial phase of that is what you're saying of a lot of the labor intensive jobs are going to become unnecessary because it's going to be cheaper to do things this way it's going to be more efficient it's going to be quicker but there are going to be it, it, immediately there's going to be a lot of a lot more need for creative type yes. jobs for yes. creativity to flow um so just to play I don't like the term devil's advocate, That's but okay. to Come play on. to play the other side of this conversation, let me just ask you this. So yeah. do you you don't do you you don't think that the entrepreneurial aspect of it could be taken over by artificial intelligence becoming so whether we call it sentient or not, but becoming sure. so intelligent that it's now, you know, essentially optimizing itself and and AI is out there creating things seemingly on its own where yeah. You know, the I think the the biggest fear, and I'm not saying I buy into this, but I'm sure. just I'm just talking about the argument. 
So the the biggest fear that a lot of people have is like when it becomes so intelligent that it doesn't need us anymore. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and we're kind of less relevant in terms of, you know, us needed for our entrepreneurial spirit sure. and that sort sure. of thing. So this is a big, big question, a good one, and a, a big conversation because you have to answer the question, where does entrepreneurship, where does creativity really come from? Does it come from Ooh. a chemical uh, reaction in your brain? Is it a, mm. you know what I mean? Is it the result mm. of your circumstances um, or is creativity from another realm? Mm. Um, I mean, I, I have Witty the conviction. Invention. Yeah, I have the conviction that all creativity is from the creator. And That's that, good. and obviously it can good. be used and abused. It can be wrong, all that. But true entrepreneurship is the ability to create things for the betterment of others that builds value in their lives. And then you're rewarded by creating that value with, uh, you know, value, right? Other value, reward and currency, things like that. So again, you don't take time to the market, you take value to the market. So, mm. you know, time for money is a misnomer. It's really value. How valuable are you to the market? Right. And so I think that, um, yeah, I, I don't think that AI will be an entrepreneur on its own. I believe that true entrepreneurship, creative thinking um, is inspiration from the Holy Spirit. I think mm. that even those who don't know God um, hear creative ideas. I believe God has used plenty of people throughout the planet who don't know him or give him credit for their brilliance ideas come from God. Mm. And so I, I mean, I can't, no one else can put their finger on where it comes from. Is it just truly that person has like an aha moment out of nowhere? Like people are just, they're walking along like, Oh, I should. And they have an idea, right? Like uh, the periodic table is a great example. I don't remember the guy who um, made it, but you know, the story of the periodic table. Um, of elements. I think so. The, the guy who uh, is credited for that absolutely had a dream. He said he had a dream. He fell asleep at his desk. Some scientists mm. had a dream and he saw the entire periodic table. He woke up from the dream and wrote it down, understanding out of nowhere the all the elements. And now it's an expose uh, and it's an explanation of the elements of the world. He got it from a dream. And so you tell me if that was his brilliance or God was helping the human race. You tell me. Just saying. Oh, dude, 100%. You know? Are, so wait, did he did he have the dream before he even like he didn't know even what all those elements were? He was a scientist. He had um yeah, uh he had a background in it. Chris, chemist Dmitry mm -hmm. Mendeleev. Um mm. 63 elements, yeah. So he absolutely uh was a scientist things like that, but compiling them into that yeah. that table and having an explanation and understanding of them from a dream. Albert Einstein Incredible. credited um, God multiple times for many of his inventions. He got them in visions. He just saw them, didn't understand them, wrote them down, and then sought to understand them. This is all uh, wow. all public knowledge. So wow. many many yeah. times, you know. And so I'm just saying, is it that lump of meat between your your ears that's really producing all this stuff, or are you getting it from somewhere else? I think God is called creator for a reason. And we're in the image and likeness of our creator. So I don't think that, well, I know this, I know that artificial intelligence um, is not a human, right? That's the mm -hmm. point. It's non-human and therefore uh, not made in the image and likeness of God. And therefore 
is not a creative being because those made in the image and likeness of God are made in the image of a creator. So mm, it's it. made, it's made by humans, but not, it's not a human. It's not an image and it's not an image bearer of God. So that's my theological standpoint on that. And to, to the point of its base technology, it has to be prompted. It really does. It really does. Now there is um, a pretty scary story out there. We'll, we'll talk scary stories if you want. Um, I won't name the, well, maybe I should name the company. I don't know. It doesn't matter. There's a very well-known company that is out there and there was a recent squabble with the board members. People are probably going to know exactly who I'm talking about when I say this, but there's a rumor. So I don't want to go on record saying this actually happened, but there's a rumor as to why the, I'll just say it, the founder of, or CEO of OpenAI. OpenAI, who, yeah. Yeah, how he got. Yeah, I knew what you are talking about. <laughs> sat down by the board and all that stuff. Did you hear the rumor behind the backstory? what the board was so upset about? Uh, one of the rumors I heard, and I don't know if this is what you're talking about or not. One of the rumors that I heard was that he became aware of, or he wasn't happy with all of the, that basically there were things being hidden that were not real, that he actually was thinking, or he he thought or knew or had information that yeah. the, the AI had, that they had achieved in AGI, that they had achieved sure. more of a, I don't know if you'd if you'd consider that sentient, yeah, or yeah. not, but yeah. but they had achieved something that they Super were essentially not being honest and open about, and he thought it was dangerous, and so they wanted him out. But yeah, there's all these different rumors, right? So this is just the boogeyman stories that everybody's telling and things like that. That I no one knows for sure. It's speculation on our part, but these are the things that people are passing around. I read that um, he actually had a side project in there. And this, uh, they were trying to do this math. They created a, an, AI, an AI to solve these math problems that have been around for a long time. And the AI couldn't answer the math with its with our with our math, so it made its own math. It made its own math and <laughs> was speaking in a math language that they couldn't understand. And they uh, had to pull the plug. But he wasn't forthright with all that to the board. And the board was like, you can't just not tell us about these things. He's like, well, we stopped. We turned it off, you know, and they all got uh, upset with him. So that was the rumor I heard. But even that, like, let's just talk about that in principle. Okay. Mm -hmm. People are going, see, it's making up its own. No, it was asked to solve a problem. It was asked to solve a problem. And it came up with a solution to the problem by creating its own dialect. How does it know what a dialect is, right? It has um, all the inputs from the world. It has all the dialects ever created. It has its own, all the math that's in there. It formulated its own version of math that we didn't understand. Maybe it is a version of our math that we just don't know it, but they're calling it another math. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it, and they could turn it off. So if it were truly right. a super intelligent being, it wouldn't want to be turned off. And it can't be turned off if you're like, well, that's what we're going to unlock out of the box. I'm like, I don't really think it's altogether possible. That sounds, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it because it's all human mm -hmm. trained, human inputted. You know, you turn off the power supply. It's done. I mean, just like I'm more of a for realist now. for now. Right. <laughs> Until it creates its own power source because you asked it to solve. Right. You know, right. And all the things. And sure. I mean, I guess there's a possibility but I don't yeah. know, man, it doesn't, yeah. I'm more of a, like, give me facts before I freak out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I'm more of a realist when it comes to that stuff.
And I'm also a very um, hopeful optimist for sure. And I think yeah. that God has uh, used the church historically to pioneer new technology and that we shouldn't be afraid of new technology. We should leverage it. It's at this point, we can say today, February or January 12th, 2024, it is an amoral tool. It doesn't have right. a moral center. Right. It's not good or bad. It doesn't have a soul. It's, you know what I mean? It's not made in the image mm -hmm. and likeness of God. Therefore, it can't be redeemed. And sure, can the enemy use it? The enemy can use the internet. Like, look at how oh, the enemy. Of course. Come on. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love it. it man. I love this conversation. I love it. I love what you're saying, bro. Um, let, let me ask you one more question on this and sure. just kind of because this is kind of where we are right now. Yeah. And what, it's one of the things that I think about a lot is just kind of like some, some of the ethical implications of the way that we apply AI to our lives currently. So one of the things that I think about is like, you know, in the church world, of course, we can use AI to we can use these tools to make our lives easier, to make our workflow better, to sure. do different things. One of the things that I think about is like, okay, where do I draw the line? <laughs> mm -hmm. Where do I draw the line? Let me just say as a pastor, where do I draw the line yeah. to like where the AI is like I, a friend of mine was telling me the other day, we were on the phone and he was telling me, he's like, I used AI to help me with my sermon prep because I was trying to figure out the right way to say something and I was having sure. a hard time with it. So I put it into chat GPT. And it came back with something that made it so crystal clear. And it was like, that was better than I would have said it. I was like, okay, that's cool. Where do I draw the line to where like AI right. is just straight up producing my sermon for me because I didn't have enough time to study? Where do, you yep. know what I'm saying? Like, at yep. what point do I, and, and again, I think this is with anything. I think we could do this with anything. technology that existed before AI came out. So I'm uh -huh. not saying like, we're like, I don't think we can blame the tool for how we're using it. Mm -hmm. But I just think sometimes about the ethical implications and how we begin to kind of draw those those lines, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And the ethical equation really comes down to the individual character, right? Mm -hmm. It's about the character of the individual. Uh, you know, before God, whether or not you consulted the Lord and are preaching his word according to his inspiration, you know, you know, yeah. you in your own heart, you know. Uh, and so, I mean... There's been entire websites dedicated to, to sermons that pastors pull from, and they they literally preach word for word other people's sermons on script. That's True. been around for a long time, right? And so that's just one form of the technology. This is another form. Um, and I think that you just have to know in your heart of hearts, like, yeah, I, I asked for clarity or I needed help or I used a tool um, or I asked the big thing that I think that's a proper and good use of ChatGPT is research. You got to check it all. But mm. like you say, give me all the instances in the Bible where this happened or this was said and it will pull. Yeah. You say, use the ESV, use the NASB, yeah. whatever. And it will pull and give you, here's the 25 reason, ways that's that word is used. Blah, 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 blah. And it, you don't have to go looking through 10 Google articles and and a bunch of commentaries and things like that. It just pulls the exact information. So that's a time saver for sure. Yeah, but great. I think the line has to be drawn in the sand where you know that you're speaking from inspiration of the Holy Spirit under the, uh, you know, the, the guidance of scripture, things like that, that you're not um, becoming a puppet for a machine's output, right? And so the same thing mm -hmm. needs to be said of not becoming a puppet of those sermons you find on the internet. Sure, you want to be inspired. You want to see other opinions about a scripture. That's great. But don't word for word, you know what I mean? Quote somebody and say you, you prepared a sermon. That's not preparing a mm -hmm. sermon, you know? So 
I think the ethical conversation comes down to the individual character. And I have personally greatly benefited. I, I um, late last year, uh, we were talking through, oh, the, um, oh no, it wasn't the God of Generations thing. We were talking about um, family, how God's first, uh, God is family first. That's what we called it. It's, mm -hmm. We did a sermon series called Family First at our church. And God is a family. God is family first, you know, yeah. and um, throughout the scriptures, we see that. So we're talking about family forgiveness uh, one week. And we're talking about the story of Joseph. We're using Joseph as the backstory. And, you know, I wanted to give a an overview of the storyline of Joseph, just like 10, five, five, seven minutes in my message of like, here's how Joseph got to where he needed to forgive his brothers. Right. Mm. Here's what happened. Mm -hmm. And I did my thing. I opened my Bible and I started, you know. I'm typing and I'm like looking at my Bible, I'm like, okay, effort. And I'm like, I'm Genesis 35 or whatever. And I'm flipping through and I'm like, okay, and then this. And I'm just making bullet points over you. And I'm I get like three bullet points and I'm like, what this is gonna take. And I start, I'm like, oh my god, I gotta get to chapter 47. This is gonna take me like an hour just to yeah. do prepare these five minutes. Like, mm -hmm. there's gotta be a better way. It's like a commercial, for, you know. <laughs> say it ain't so there's gotta be a better way yeah <laughs> so i was like i bet chat gpt could give me an exhaustive bullet point list from the english standard version of the bible giving me the the main you know guideposts of this story and i know the story so i could easily check it right and i can read it and so yeah. i said give me an exhaustive timeline of joseph and his story from genesis 35 to genesis i think it was 47 or I'm thinking 37, 45. I don't remember the numbers. Anyway, uh, you probably know the addresses, but I don't. Um, and they, and it just spit out to me. It was like he, uh, you know, was the favorite of his father. He, you know, they gave him a quote. His brothers That's betrayed cool. him. Judah wanted to to save him, but didn't. He? And he goes, his bullet yeah. in like less than 10 seconds. I used that. I did not touch it. I absolutely mm. spoke from that timeline, and I it because that's the right way to use that tool it was accurate yeah. i double checked it you got to check it there's something called um artificial uh intelligence hallucinations just so you know have you heard about this where the ai will hallucinate so. it will oh, yeah. it, it'll add things together that don't correlate and it will make stuff up absolutely it will hallucinate uh, because of the wealth of information, mm. it gets confused and it starts confusing information sometimes. And so it will speak authoritatively that this happened and it didn't. So you got to check everything, right? Mm -hmm. And I checked it all. I'm like, yep, yeah. that happened, that happened, that happened, that happened, that happened, that happened. And uh -huh. I'm like, oh, that happened? And I'm like, re I'm like, that did happen. And I was like, <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> so I used it for that's that. Cool. I think that's the ethical way to use it. Um, I'm not going to say, write me a sermon on the storyline of Joseph and then read what it says on a Sunday right. morning. I'm not going to do that, right. but I, I will instead of, so because of that, I had more time to pray. I had more time to meet with people and more time to pastor my team and more time to, to meditate on this stuff, to commune with God and less remedial research work. Right. That's beautiful. I think that's wonderful. So, but again, it's all about the character because you could get unethical really quick with that. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah. I'm sure it's already happening think so oh yeah for sure for sure yeah, yeah there's full-blown like ai uh you know preachers doing stuff like where it's uh you know it's did you see the ai whatever you, whatever you call it or the yeah. ai service in the uk or whatever yeah it was all it was ai germany mm -hmm. yeah germany that's right that's yeah right. 
That's yeah, that was crazy. nuts. Yeah, I did a podcast on that. <laughs> oh <laughs> my gosh. Like, that's like right after that happened, I did an episode where I broke that down. But so um, people were but saying yeah, it dude. was soulless and not warm, and it was it didn't feel warm like it, right. Yeah, they right. were saying you can smell the plastic. Like it was, man. yeah, like pretty pretty just. I think from what I heard, pretty accurate as far as the information that was put out. But yeah, as you said, soulless. Yeah. yeah. It's that's, not that's... going to be inspired by the spirit of God. It can't hear the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. It can't commune with God. It's not in the image and likeness of God. It can't create. Just saying. Wow. That's my I'm opinion. I could be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, hope I'm, I'm not. You, bro. I hope I'm not I wrong. hope you're not too. <laughs> I hope you're not too. <laughs> <laughs> maybe six months from now we're having a much darker podcast conversation maybe because... maybe <laughs> but hey man the no, children of light I are gonna be it. the children of light we're gonna rise up or we're not and you know let's not put a basket on our heads like i just don't want to respond in fear to these things no i love it i love the i love that approach i love the not just the optimism but the the that viewpoint, what you just brought out of whatever the state of our culture and society is being mm -hmm. the light of the world, you know, shining forth the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face mm -hmm. of Christ so that people see God for who he is. And and I think you're I, I, I'm I'm definitely inclined to agree with you that it's, you know, we want to find ways, creative ways in partnership with the Holy Spirit, like hearing his voice, being led by the Lord, whether it's in our ministries, businesses, but the different ways that we can utilize the current things that are available to us to just be more effective, to influence right. more and to put more of his goodness on display for people to see. Yeah. I, bro, I took up, we took up all the time just nerding out on this stuff. I love it. And I'm good originally it. I invited you because your book came out, Pull, Don't yeah. Push. And that was the original thing that we were going to talk about today and uh it did not go that way so i would love to have you back on and we can sure. get into it more give a very very just brief um explanation of of uh why you wrote the book and then where people can find it as well sure. as the other books that you have out yeah pull don't push i uh, came from a leadership training i did with my my church leadership i just wanted to establish within their hearts and minds the model of jesus you know, he said, um, I think it's my gosh, I'm forgetting the address now, but he said, you know, the greatest among you be a great servant. Right. But he Matthew 20 something yeah, anyway, Matthew 20. Yeah. And um, but he said the chapter. Yeah. The first the first part of it, though, is the most important where he says the rulers of the Gentile lord over those they lead. Yeah. It shall not be that way among you. Right. right? It shall not be that way among you. And the word lord over is actually top down. That's the Greek word top down from the top. Mm. They rule from the top. And I just, I just started thinking about that. I'm like, how many church organizational charts have a guy at the top and then two or three and then seven. And then, geez, yeah. I know. So I just was like, listen, we're going to pull people into their destiny. We're going to pull greatness out of them. We're not going to be pushy. And I just kind of put that moniker on it. Pulled on push. Jesus said, follow me before he ever said, go. You know, he said, follow mm. before he said, go. So yeah, he yeah. pulled people into something greater than they thought they could ever walk in. And then he sent them out. So it's really a practical, it's a practitioner's guide to uh, leading like Christ, establishing Christ-like leadership in the church. Again, is the idea to lead from the bottom up, being overseers who see from underneath, who wash feet uh, and what that looks like. I share a lot of stories uh, from the resting place. I use that as a, a backdrop. And it's really for anyone who's leading anyone. If you're leading kids because you're a parent, you can pull instead of be instead of push. If you're a business wow. leader, you can pull instead of push. And it's the idea, you know, you've seen the meme of the leader 
uh, at the front of the rope pulling versus the boss on the block being pulled, right? Mm -hmm. So, and cracking the whip. So the idea is to remove pushy leadership and to get into a leadership modality of Jesus where he pulls people, in, the greatness out of people and into greatness. And yeah, so it's just that servanthood, leading with Christ-like servanthood uh, mentality. It's very short because uh, I, I like short books, so I write short books. Mm -hmm. Um, and I want you to finish it. So it's available on Amazon, pull, don't push. And again, if you're leading children or a business or a church or even a team at work and you're a manager or anything like that, it's for you to, if you want to be Christ-like in your leadership, that's some practical tools for that. That's so, beautiful. Yeah, That's beautiful. I love it. And uh, pick up any and all of Caleb's books that are available. I also <laughs> wrote a Amazon, devotional. Right? And, They're all and on this Amazon. devotional, man, that just came out. Yeah, because yeah. we had talked about doing the podcast uh, when, after Pull Don't Push came out. We scheduled uh -huh. it for today. Yep. And, and then after that, you released another book, Daily Dependence, A Year uh -huh. in Dependenceville. Yeah. And uh, those are just very short, very right? Short. Like um, little nuggets to, to kind of meditate on for the day. Yep. And it's one for every day, every day, 365 devotions. Yep. For every day. And, um, it's from my book living in Dependenceville. So it's a concept. Mm -hmm. They're all concepts from the book with a scripture attached and a question, and then even a prayer. So just, if you got five minutes or 15 or 25, you know, I have somebody in my church using it and he sits there for an hour and he writes in the margins and he's, you know, he's working through it. Wow. So you can do a little or a lot with it. It's just designed to help you embrace your need for God every single day. Um, and it's, it's, I want to be helpful and I feel like it's pretty helpful. So yeah, daily dependence. If you go to my website, calebhires.com, you can click books, you'll find it all, but, or Amazon, just search Caleb hires on Amazon. You'll see it. So, yep. Love it. I'm working on a devotional again, man. from the Lord's oh, prayer sorry, right now. No, it's all good. I'm working on some new stuff too. Chat GPT is helping me because it can edit really quickly for me and things like that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, new stuff all the time. So you said a devotional on the Lord's Prayer? Yeah, um, I'm taking a transcript. I preached eight weeks on the Lord's Prayer, um, wow. breaking it down last year. So I'm taking that transcript and um, using that. I'm I'm doing a flow edit with the transcript and then writing around it to create a devotional on the Lord's Prayer uh, to help people step into that, you know, not just repeat it, but actually like really sit with it. So that'll be Very next. Cool. Anyway. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep doing it, man. Keep doing what you're doing. And, and, uh, which, uh, I know you're, you're, I don't know what you call it, but your thing in life is that you're on a journey to mature the saints in love. That's it. And I appreciate all the different ways that you do that, man. And, uh, I personally glean a lot from you, from wow. your wisdom and from your just walk with the Lord and how you share that with others and the invitation of of that the invitation for just people to this experience more of him his goodness his favor his faithfulness his his fatherness yes and uh appreciate you for all that you do brother and um yeah i know we got to run but i'd love yeah. to do it again thanks buddy well, I, I know we'll you. do it again because we, we always got... are going to do it again but yes <laughs> and i'm going to have you on mine i did start a podcast i would love everybody who's watching this to go subscribe on youtube just at caleb hires on youtube I'm doing long form conversations with Christian thought leaders. We're going to have a Duke on there. So it's going to be good. Beautiful. Let's do it. Eventually. All right. I've all <laughs> told you on air. <laughs> no, you agreed. You said yes. Yeah, I, I agree. Oh, hundred percent agree. Right. I will always agree. I will awesome. never not agree. Let's go. <laughs> Love you, bro.
Talk Love to you too, soon. man. Thanks. Bye, everybody.